Boys, it's the official Back Judge Draft Review Podcast. Excited to get this one together with you guys. We haven't even really talked too much uh, about the draft in even our, our group chat. Definitely talked during the draft just about picks and, and whatnot, but haven't really gone through the full scope of these teams' classes. But hey, man, what a, what a draft. Really, really, really fun one. The Aaron Rodgers drama, even though nothing really has materialized yet, was was fun in the pre-draft process as well, especially for us Lions fans. Mm. Um, it just can't get enough of that. Obviously, things soured a little bit with the Bears selection, but we'll get into that later. Overall reviews of the draft. It was great to see it back in person, see all the guys you know, out there with the, the hats and, and everything walking on stage. Felt, felt normal Those disgusting again. hats. Oh, they're horrible. They're They're bad. <laughs> They the tr- can't the quite get that editions. right, can they? No, they can't. They quite can. get it right. It's like the turkey trot about, shirts. How about just, you just get a generic Nike athletic hat with the logo on it? How about that? How about you bring back like the, the 07 Reebok lids NFL street hats, you know? Well, those that would be a dream, wouldn't it? I still have that classic Bengals hat, man. That was just, And I have the Jags one. Yep. They're, they're awesome. They're, they're awesome. awesome hats. They're awesome. It just screams like Ocho Cinco in NFL Street 2. Or maybe yeah. NFL Street 3 when he was on the cover. When he was on the cover, wearing it backwards. Deep cuts, deep cuts, exactly. Where do we want to start, guys? Do we just want to start with the first round? This could have maybe been a pre-pod discussion, but... Yeah, that could have Yeah. Been. <laughs> We're going to blind here. I mean, sh- should we just do maybe f- uh, first round or, you know, like favorite classes? Um... You know, I think it's hard to be like overly critical, but there's definitely some some teams and classes that I would like to uh, throw some shade at. Well, let's just let's just kind of start going through the first round a little bit. Um, I thought the Dolphins. I mean, first of all, the Niners taking Trey Lance, I think, was something that we all agreed with. Um, Lee, he was your number two quarterback. Uh, I believe Tommy and I both had Fields a little bit ahead of Lance, but a pick that just. Made sense for them over Mac Jones. So that happened at three. That was kind of a the first big part of the draft. Falcons taking pits, unfortunately for you, Lee, was just trending in that direction with the within the week before the draft. On um, that note, just watching um Lance go third was the nail in the coffin for me. Because that yeah. a lot of a lot of what that prediction was was hinging on uh Mac Jones going third and then kind of forcing either the Falcons' hands, who there were reports that they liked Trey Lance, to either just take Trey Lance or if perhaps another team who was more interested in Trey Lance than Mac Jones would want to trade up to that four spot to get him. Um, so once he went three, yeah, that was definitely uh, the, the nail in the coffin for that for that bet. Um, the Bengals taking Jamar Chase, baby. Uh, I'm excited about this one because I'm not the biggest Jackson Carmen guy. Um, so this will be just a fun thing for us to all track going through the years with the, the Bengals passing over Penny Sewell for the wide receiver from LSU to pair with Joe Burrow again. Dolphins went with Jalen Waddell. I think we all kind of thought they were going up for a weapon when they originally traded up late into the process. We thought maybe they would take Penny Sewell, ended up with Jalen Waddell there. I guess the first pick that I'd like to really get into, though, would be the Broncos at nine. To me... This was just the worst pick in the draft, and that has nothing to do with Patrick Sertain. It has everything to do with the fact that the Broncos 
are just riding with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke in a division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert when Justin Fields was there on the board in your lap and the reports were that they didn't even not like Justin Fields, they just liked Sertain more, which just makes no sense. And even the fact that their corners are good. You signed Kyle Fuller. I know it's only a one-year deal, and maybe you don't have the future in place of that position, but your entire team is seemingly pretty solid in every single position group except for quarterback. Uh, that decision was just indefensible. Uh, there's there's not too much to say, and I'm, I'm probably the a millionth vulture that's circling kind of this pick as far as, I mean, this isn't a hot take or anything. I just was really surprised by the Broncos and just a disappointing uh, pick there. And just to piggyback off that clip, um, I was the fortunate enough to have the Broncos as one of my teams in the, what I would do mock. And I sent you guys the screenshot of their secondary. This is obviously before the draft, before even the, what I would do mock draft saying the Broncos secondary is like that. And I, and, and I was kind of, you know, joking around a little bit or whatever. But, I mean, I think it's fair to say that this Broncos team, before the draft, had the best secondary in the division. Um, after bringing Kyle Fuller in, bringing Ronald Darby in, you already have pieces in the secondary um, in place. You got a guy like Michael Ojemudia last year. We all know, you know, the, the internal love here for Parnell Motley, who, whose roster spot very well may be in jeopardy now with the picks they made. Um, but yeah, no, I, I completely agree, Clep, and it, and it has little to nothing to do with Patrick Sertain's ability to play the position. I just think that the, the way the board fell for them, you know, drafting fields would have probably been the smartest move. Um, Even if know. he busts, it's just like, what, yeah. like, what is, there's no, there's no mm-hmm. upside really to drafting Sertain in my opinion. Well, yeah, let me, let me get in here because, um. I think I rightfully, as soon as I, I sent it to our chat, when they signed, when they got Bridgewater, I think the writing was on the wall. With Patton's history with Bridgewater being a guy who drafted him in Minnesota, I thought that was, you know, a really disappointing sign for me because although, you know, in theory you would still try and take in fields and it would be an even better situation with him with competition with Locke and being able to learn under a guy like Teddy B who was once the consensus number one quarterback, you know, and all the adversity that he had, had been through – um, I want to, uh, cause I mean, Den- what Denver did in the draft this year was, was awesome really outside of, you know, I, I agree. I mean, of course I agree with both of you guys and I would even kind of push back against, you know, maybe what Lee was saying there. Like, I think in isolation, adding Patrick Sertain to this defense, if they already had a quarterback, I love, I love that philosophy. Like just getting more cor- corners just because of the value of the position and the versatility that Sertain can bring. And then they go and get our guy Jamar Johnson in the fifth round to play safety with with uh, Justin Simmons. Getting Javante Williams, who was my favorite running back in the class in the second round. Quinn Miner. It's like they, they had a lot of really good draft picks. But, Klepp, you're 100% right where it's just like passing on fields just makes zero sense. And unless unless they get Aaron Rodgers, which is I think the only move that could save them in my opinion – and they seem to have all the pieces in order to do that. I would assume they're going to have to give up Sertain in order to get him, um, along with a plethora of, of draft capital. I just kind of, you know, it just makes me wonder what they, you know, what really is going through their yeah, mind. Yeah, I don't think they would give up Sertain. I feel like that'd be a pretty big cap hit if you gave up a rookie who maybe, I don't know, maybe before he signs. I don't know how all that mm-hmm. stuff works. But uh, maybe, I mean, maybe you're, and especially with the, the 
Packers taking Stokes. I mean, I don't want to get too much into a, an Aaron Rodgers yeah. discussion. I agree with you that that's, that's kind of the last move. Heck, maybe Deshaun Watson. I, I have no idea. Um, but passing up on fields when he fell into your lap, lap seemingly was just a big mistake. But we can we can kind of move on here. The Bears going up to get Justin Fields, I think, is, is just a pick we should talk about. I thought it great for both parties with the Giants getting a, a pick next year in the first round. Didn't love what they did at 20 with drafting Kadarius Toney. But, you know, getting that future draft capital, I think, is important for them, especially with the uncertain future of Daniel Jones. And then the Bears with Nagy and Pace just moving up to get their guy. You know, I think this is a job saver. It's unfortunate. I think this is in the same light as how I feel with the Rams, where I hope to God Justin Fields is a bust, but I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think the Bears, there's holes on their roster for sure, but I think they're a good team, and I think Fields will just elevate them. And I think I think the Bears, especially if Aaron Rodgers leaves the Packers, Bears to me would be the favorites to, to win the division. So yep. solely because of this pick. And maybe that's saying too much for a rookie quarterback, but I, I really think that highly of Justin Fields. And I think I think Justin Fields is gonna make teams like the Broncos, the Lions, even heck, if you want to say the Panthers and the Dolphins, or even the Falcons at four kind of look like fools. That's just kind of how I feel. Yeah, I I mean, not a lot to, to add on to that, Clep. I mean, even though I often played the role of uh, the Zach Wilson over Fields guy, I mean, I said that Fields on the Broncos would make them a Super You played Bowl the contender. role, or that's your opinion, buddy? Well, I mean, that's just like the role that I played. I didn't really get to, to toot the Justin Fields horn very often. But I said, oh, you know, yeah. I said in the four-way mock or one of the pods that, like, Fields on the Broncos makes them a Super Bowl contender. I think the Bears are a little worse than the Broncos, but I still think – especially with, like you mentioned, if Rodgers leaves the division, which it seems like the writing is on the wall for that to happen. He's got an elite one, wide receiver one and Alshon. I mean, not Alshon. Uh, Robinson, Allen Robinson. Allen yeah. Robinson. And then you've got nice nice players with uh, Anthony Miller and, and Darnell Mooney. you got Cole Komet. They have a nice little plethora of weapons. And then going out and getting Tevin Jenkins, who I think we all thought was a first-round prospect in the second round, um, to kind of solidify that offensive line a little bit more. And then... Getting one of my guys, Khalil Herbert, from uh, our Sleepers episode late in round six. I mean, that's a guy who I think, I don't think David Montgomery is that much better than him. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I just think that's a pretty dynamic duo to have there along with Tariq Cohen. Um, and then the defense, you know, still should be pretty good. So I completely agree with you, Clep. I think as it stands right now with the writing on the wall with Rodgers being out, like Chicago looks like the favorite in the NFC North, I'd say. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go that far. I still think Minnesota is a good team that is, like I talked about a few episodes ago, I, I can't remember specifically when, but I think they're a veteran team coming off a bad year, and they kind of, I think they're going to learn from that and have a have a much better year this year with their defense improving, but I don't really disagree with anything you guys were saying. I think the Bears won the first round with that move, um, and yeah, I mean, there's not really much more to say. I think it was the right time for Pace and Nagy to make that move. And if they didn't make it, I'm sure they would be regretting it right now. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Moving uh, forward, I think Tommy will probably get into the Cowboys draft a little bit later so we can talk about Micah Parsons, but he went to the Cowboys. I thought the Chargers got a great value there with, with Slater. Uh, Jets moved up, traded two third rounds to get Bear Tucker which I didn't totally agree with giving up that much capital compared to what was still there on the board when the Vikings picked at 23. Uh, let's talk about Patriots quickly taking Mac Jones. 
We'll see, I guess. Is that I, I don't know how confident I am that this is going to work out. The Patriots are pretty devoid of any weapons on, you know, I guess they got John Smith and Nelson Aguilar and Hunter Henry, I guess, but still just not an offense I, I totally believe in, especially with Mac Jones. We'll see, I guess. He's going to have to be what he was touted as, which is one of the smartest quarterbacks in the draft, just in terms of anticipating throws, reading defenses, and all that. I, yeah, maybe I'll just throw my hat in the ring right now on this. I think I think it's a great move for the Patriots, something that I talked about a lot during you know the pre-draft process and even the mocks when we talked about the Patriots is they spent so much money in free agency that they needed to get a rookie quarterback on a rookie contract because Cam Newton is only there for one year at five mil. Getting that guy getting a guy like Mac Jones who I think can grow into the starting quarterback instill a system that I really trust with Josh McDaniels and obviously Bill B at the top. Um, and then going in the second round, the Patriots added a lot of least favorite guys in the draft. I think they had a really solid draft. And I think this is probably the best landing spot for Mac Jones outside of San Francisco. Um, I mean, they definitely have more weapons this year than uh, they did last year, Adam. And I would, I would have to think that they have a plan for Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry trying to recreate the, the Gronk Hernandez-esque tandem. Um, so, I mean, you know, I, I, think it's, I think it's the right pick for them. I think, you know, like I just said, with their cap situation and getting a quarterback on a rookie deal, I think they kind of had to do that, and they didn't have to give up any capital to do it. Um, and Klepp, just like you said with Denver, you know, with Fields, you know, if, if Jones busts, then whatever. Who really cares? Like, this is kind of the Patriots' window right now, and they think he's the, the man for the job. So... I thought that was a great move by New England. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, this is a guy who was, for the most part, through the whole draft process, you know, getting mocked, going third to San Francisco. Um, and I think really regardless of where you rank him in the top five, it still makes sense for the Patriots to take him if they think that he has that starting caliber ability, which I believe he does. I believe he'll start more games for the Patriots than Cam Newton will this year, probably, just based on what he brings to the table from day one. Um, so I think that's going to be really interesting. And, yeah, I don't know if we're talking about the full draft classes right now or if, I, or if I'm just going to let you get through the rest of the first round. Yeah, I'm, I'm, but, I'm about yeah. done here. Um, I was just going to mention that I like Zayvon Collins going to the Cardinals with Isaiah Simmons. I mean, that's a heck of a linebacker duo. Hopefully Vance Joseph can figure some stuff out on defense there. Uh, Jalen Phillips to the to the Dolphins was a nice little BJP mock call at 18. Uh, go us. Yeah. Um, Caleb Farley to the Titans at 22 was interesting. Uh, Najee Harris another BJP mock call to the Steelers. You know, Etienne Newsom going to the Jags and Browns I thought were interesting. And my guy Peyton Turner getting to the end of the first round there to the Saints. Uh, very happy for him. Uh, any other kind of picks you guys want to shout out here in the back half of the first round? Um, I guess this is something we talked about when we did that off-pod uh, pre-second round little conversation with Connor. Um, I just want to shout out Caleb Farley to the Titans because I think Lee and I had a nice, some nice discourse throughout the offseason on the future of the Titans, and I think Caleb Farley was the right pick for them. Um, obviously, there's a huge uh, medical risk with him, but that's kind of you know how he's going to hold up throughout his career and potentially this year. But in terms of getting arguably the best corner in the draft at a, probably their number one position of need, and he's going to be ready to go week one and I think play at a high level. I think Lee talks about trying to extend their competitive window. That's why he made his trade up for Jalen Waddell in our mock. 
I think this is kind of in that same, uh, you know, essence with um, with going out and getting Caleb Farley and really getting, a, you know, another really good corner in your room um, and, you know, trying to keep that AFC South, those AFC South title hopes alive. And then one quick thing, um, staying in the division, I just thought Travis Etienne at 25 was a pretty bad pick for, for Jacksonville. Um, a lot of needs on the board, and now Urban Meyer is coming out and saying basically Etienne's going to be a third down back. Whether or not that ends up being the case, I think Etienne is by far the most talented back, and if you're going to draft him in the first round, he needs to be kind of you know, your, your bell cow, even though that's not really his style. I think Etienne kind of is a lot like DeAndre Swift from last year. Um, and, and obviously will be a nice weapon for Lawrence, but man, just like a lot of needs on Jacksonville just had a weird draft. I'm sure we'll get into more of it, but I, you know, the ETN pick definitely was something that I disagreed with. Lee, what's yeah. I mean, if, uh, we're talking about picks we disagree with, I mean, there's a whole handful of picks I disagreed with at the end of the first round. I thought that, uh, the, the Packers taking Eric Stokes was kind of a nothing pick. Um, that's a guy who, I think got drafted in the first round purely based off of his pro day, and it's all projectables. Purely there. based off um, his forty time. If you don't let me interrupt, yeah, because yeah, his, cause his mean, other uh, athletic measurables weren't really that impressive. It was just that he ran like yeah. a four two five, quote unquote. Uh, at the yeah, the... so that was kind of a head scratcher for me. I wasn't the biggest Gregory Rousseau fan. The Bills drafting him was a little bit puzzling to me. I guess I could see that being a good fit and working out just because of the culture in Buffalo and the amount of brain power they have uh, in regards to the defensive side of the ball. And the D-line. And, is, and is the D-line, yeah. No, yeah. it's a great landing spot for him. I just didn't really think he was a first-round player, to be honest. So that's kind of why um, you know, I, I, it gave me a little bit of pause. And then on the other side of the coin, I, I love the Ravens getting Rashad Bateman. I mean, this was kind of a spot where we knew they needed a, a receiver. Um, I think Rashad Bateman, you can make a very, very strong argument that, that, that he was the fourth best receiver in the draft. Um, and getting him at the 27th pick, you know, I, I think he, he's going to come in and be the best receiver on their team from day one. Yeah. Um, so I, I think they filled a, a big need there, and I think he's going to make an impact, uh, you know, right off the bat. So before we get into kind of some classes that we didn't like and, and did like, I do just want to touch on the Lions draft class as a whole. Um, we have not really discussed it as a whole either. Um, my preliminary thoughts is obviously disappointed that they didn't take Justin Fields at seven. I think that's going to be a mistake going forward that we'll see. I don't think Goff, I, you know, I still, I'm, Holding out hope that they don't think Goff is the answer. The fact that they didn't draft a ton of receivers on day one and two with their four picks makes me hopeful that they don't really, you know, they, they still don't believe that. But at the same time, it's another year that I have to go on wondering if, if that's the case. And next year we go into the draft process kind of hoping that they do draft a, a young quarterback uh, high with whatever high pick that they have. With that said, just talking about the class that they got, Penny Sewell was, I thought, the second-best player in the draft overall. Getting him at seven is awesome. I was tooting the horn of offensive line the entire draft process, so I can't come on here and complain about getting Penny Sewell at all. 20-year-old kid. Won't turn 21 until the season even starts. He should just be a cornerstone on this team for this for this rebuild. Um, going with Levi Omunzuwerki was interesting in the second round. I don't, I haven't done a ton of Work on him, I probably knew the least about him in terms of the top defensive tackles. Doubling up on Aleem McNeil, and that was just surprising to me, to double up on defensive tackle in rounds two and three. 
Aline McNeil, though, a guy that I talked a lot with Tommy about, I think during the Sleepers episode, a guy I'm super excited about, uh, super athletic, a kid who is also only 20 years old as of draft day, super strong, 6'2", 320. Everything is there maybe except for the length. And then getting Ify Melifonwu, Carl's guy that he talked about during the DB episode. I, was, I didn't expect them to take a corner, but was excited to get him so we can get you some uh, – you know, big media inside info uh, coming out of Allen Park going into the season. Amon Ross St. Brown, I'm interested to hear kind of what you guys have to say about that because I know you went back and forth on him during the pre-draft process. Didn't know much about Derek Barnes and then getting that extra seventh round pick. They made a move up to get Derek Barnes right after Amon Ross St. Brown, the linebacker. Uh, Derek Barnes, the linebacker from Purdue, and then getting a kind of a throwaway running back in the end of the seventh. You know, would you, would you Lee, just starting with you, what do you overall think of the Lions draft? I just thought it was interesting. I guess my number one takeaway is I thought going into the draft that the two strongest positions on the team were offensive line and defensive line. And I think this draft kind of shows that Brad Holmes just went off of his board rather than need uh, because of dra- drafting Sewell, drafting two defensive tackles, and then also even just adding Ify Malafonu behind Amani Oarie and Jeff Okuda. Yeah, um, I don't know, man. I mean... I'm not necessarily thrilled about the draft class. Um, it's tough to really judge it too hard because, you know, who who knows? I like the McNeil pick better than the Onwuzuwerke pick. It definitely stung for me personally seeing the New England Patriots trade up, uh, I want to say, three selections before the Lions yeah. and draft Christian Barmore, who was a guy, I mean, call me crazy, I would have been happy getting Christian Barmore with a trade back at 15 in the draft. Um, I think he's a corner, a franchise cornerstone type of guy on the defensive line. Um, Onwuzuwerke was an opt-out. I know a lot of people spoke really highly of him. I don't have a lot of experience watching him. I'm obviously wishing him the best. I like that this seems like kind of a culture first three rounds where they're just bringing some beef in, which I like. I like McNeil a lot from what I've seen. Um, I don't want to hate on Melifonwu. I'm obviously rooting for him, but I don't necessarily know if he's – a refined enough football player to really make an impact uh, right off the bat in the secondary. I think a lot of it is projectability based off his athleticism and measurables. Amon Ra, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't like love Amon Ra. I think in the fourth round, getting him with the receiver room they have, sure. Like bring him in. I'm sure he'll be able to make an impact. Um, I still don't. Man, he might be the highest targeted receiver. He he might be. He might be. So he, he's going to have, you know, uh, plenty of opportunities in, in that offense. So I don't necessarily hate that pick. There's not there's not too much to hate about it, especially considering the way the receiver board fell. I mean, I don't know if there was anyone available that was that much better, in my opinion. Um, and then Derek Barnes, Jamar Jefferson. I mean, Derek Barnes, I've heard buzz about. They obviously liked him trading up to get him. Um, and then I can't really speak too much on the seventh round pick. I mean, I like Jamar Jefferson at Oregon State, but I think the Lions picking a running back in any round is yeah. just a little bit excessive considering the fact that they have three running backs, I believe, a, a very solid rotation of three running backs who you can divvy up um, 100% of the carries and touches to. So, yeah, I mean, coming away from it, I, I don't know, Clep. I, I, think, uh, I think it's a nice foundational start. And, you know, they didn't really have very many picks to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, the overarching theme, in my opinion, is the fact that they got Sewell. That's a, that's a huge deal, bringing him in, like you were saying. 
And then, you know, like we talked about earlier, the, the, the black cloud hanging over the first round was the fact that the interdivisional rival Chicago Bears traded up to the 11th pick to go get Justin Fields, who you're going to be competing against, you know, maybe for the next 15 years. Um, and you could have had at seven, possibly. That, that's always going to be there in the back of Lions fans' heads, most likely. So there's definitely a little bit of concern there. Um, but overall, I think I'd give it like a B minus or C plus. I think it's a fairly average draft. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's great. Um, so we'll see. I think it's going to, I think how these guys develop is going to have a whole heck of a lot more to do with, you know, the culture and, and, and the way this franchise is trending than I guess the types of players they are individually right now. Yeah, not really. I think you guys did a really good job of, of covering all the bases here. Um, you know, I think the pick that I probably have the biggest issue with is the um, Onwuzawerke pick. Uh, obviously, I, I thought they should have t- took Fields, and for a second I thought they were going to, just because it was like, oh my gosh, Fields just fell into their lap. And I didn't really think that was going to happen. I really thought Denver or New England, someone was going to trade up to the Falcons pick. Um, but obviously, yeah, we all agree there. That was something we were, you know, paired in the whole draft season. Um, you know, I think on... Uh, on, on Wuzawerke has all the upside in the world, might have the b- most upside in the whole interior defensive line class. Um, I watched a little bit of him after I saw Chris Sims rank him ahead of Barmore as his number one um, uh, defensive tackle. Uh, and, but, I mean, obviously I thought they should have taken Owuso Koromoa um, or even was Morig on the board there. I think he yeah. was. Like there was a lot of players that I just thought would have been a better fit, especially Klepp mentioned it. We were both big Aline McNeil fans. But they obviously are trying to build in the trenches and have a really physical football team, and it seems like they're confident that Levi is going to fit that mold. Um, I, th- I mean, overall, I thought this is a really good class for the Lions. Like, I think although they passed on fields, I believe in Brad Holmes' ability to, you know, obviously I think there's a little bit of a, you know, he, he obviously likes golf more than we do, but outside of that, um, they have a vision here, and I think they, they picked good players, and I was obviously the most vocal Amon Ra fan throughout the process. I had him as a top 10 receiver. Um, I think he's the best receiver on this roster right now. Uh, I think he just has such a high floor. He's an, he, he profiled me as a number two receiver, kind of a little bit like Juju. I, I mean, I think Juju was better coming out of USC, but I think they're similar players. I think Amon Ra can start in the slot from day one and just doesn't really have any weaknesses outside of not being like an exceptional athlete. I think he's a willing run blocker. blocker. He's a physical player. Um, he has a nice. He's like roster. strictly slot, isn't he? He's not well, an outside a, guy. Here's like. the thing: he was a stud in the slot as a sophomore when Pittman was on the outside. Was really kind of like the one A to Pittman and was great. And then they suck him on the outside this year, and he just wasn't as good. Now I think he still probably could play outside in the NFL. I wouldn't put it past him, but I think the way that you have Perriman and Tyrell Williams, who are nice kind of outside guys who bring their own skill set to the table, I just think. It's a natural transition for Amon Ra to stick him in the slot, and well, especially just, with the big outside receivers that they they have, I think they're going to try and roll with Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman to start on the outside. Yep. And they didn't really have a clear guy in the slot, so. Yep, and you have Khalif Raymond, who's pretty much just a deep threat, you know, like just a, a field stretcher yeah. um, who hasn't done much. Let's no, just put that no. out there. So. Outside of, I think he caught one nice little deep ball last year. I remember that caused Hudden to pick him up in our dynasty league. Um, yeah, but I mean, I I love Amon Ra. I think I think he's going to be an instant impact player, just a high floor guy. Maybe not, will never be a pro ball guy, but just a really solid dude who's going to catch. You know, he could catch eighty balls this year. I wouldn't, it wouldn't I wouldn't put it past him. So overall, I think if you're a Lions fan, you should feel 
inspired, not inspired, but the, the future is bright coming up, you know? Well, um, I'll, I'll give, I'll give two more notes, uh, before we move on. Um, I mean, a lot of this stuff will be just fun for me and Lee to, to, to jump into, um, or Lee and I to jump into, sorry, mom, uh, in the, the, the big Lions preview pod coming up this summer. Just two kind of final remarks. Number one, with their first four picks in the draft in, in the first three rounds, all four of those guys graded out as uh, above average to elite athletes at their position just based on their measurables and their testing numbers, which, you know, it, it is what it is. It, testing isn't everything, but compared to what Lions fans kind of went through with Bob Quinn and, and Matt Patricia and, and drafting these big, slow dudes high up like Tavai and, and Tabor and all that. Um, that was just, I guess, good to see that at least that the athleticism part was was valued uh, by this you know, by Brad Holmes and, and his scouting staff. And then, like Lee said, they didn't have a ton of picks. So next year, I sent Lee this on OverTheCap.com. As of right now, obviously things can change with injuries or certain things in the NFL changing, but... The Lions are projected to have a third, a fifth, and a sixth, if I'm not mistaken, compensatory picks next year, and then obviously that extra Rams pick. So you're looking at four extra picks in in next year's draft, one of those being a first-round pick and another being an extra third. So a lot of future picks coming up, especially in these next two drafts, and hopefully this one can, can kind of serve as a foundational one for this team going forward in the Brad Holmes era. So... Let's get into some draft classes that we liked and did not like. Should we do bad bad or good first or mix it up a little bit? Tommy, let's just start with you. Maybe just throw a team out there that, that you liked or you didn't like. Yeah, I'm just going to rip on the Cowboys for a little bit. Go um, for it. I thought the Parsons pick I, I have no problem with, especially with the writing on the wall being that uh, Van Der Esch looks like isn't going to um, come back next year. They declined his fifth-year option, and he's been a guy who's very talented but has trouble staying on the field. So being able to trade back at an extra third and get Micah Parsons, I can't really complain there. Both I, you know, both um, uh, J.C. Horn and Sertan are off the board. Parsons, arguably the best defensive player in the draft. Um, but you know, you guys know where I'm going to go, and it's the second round where you where you pass on Asante Samuel for Kelvin Joseph. And I know Lee likes Kelvin Joseph, and maybe Kelvin Joseph has more upside as an outside corner in the NFL, but. I just think Asante Samuel's floor in a team that needs Kelvin Joseph to step in from day one and be a starting outside corner, um, I just thought was ridiculous. Um, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm the biggest Asante fan here, but I think he's a guy who could play on the outside, and if I'm wrong and he can't, I think he'd be he's going to be a very, very good slot in the NFL for a long time. So that really just ticked me off. Um, it kind of seemed like the writing was on the wall in the second round when Asante fell, and then he gets to the Cowboys pick and they take Kelvin Joseph, who... I know it has some nice upside, but just so much more risk there. And I just, especially where Asante ended up in, in with the Chargers, like I just thought that was maybe one of the best value picks of the draft, and he's going to step into a starting role right away. Um, and, you know, they, they did some, I mean, getting Micah Parsons, getting Jabril Cox was a guy that I talked about a lot. Like I like what they did in terms of linebackers. Um, Osa Dugazua or whatever is a guy that I briefly have mentioned and seems to be like a nice upside kind of, undersized D lineman from UCLA who has some nice um, pass rushing skills and is a good run stuffer. And like, I like that pick. Um, but then going out and getting Nation Wright, who is just a pure like projectable pick in the third round 
The only reason I know him is because I watched Last Chance U, and I know his brother was on the la- latest season of Last Chance U, and everyone's saying his brother was better than him, and he went to Oregon State too. So not really doing anything for me. Um, I like Lee's boy from South Carolina, Israel, in the sixth yes. round. I mean, I he was going to be of, better than Nation. Yeah, he 100% is going to be better. And then getting a guy like uh, Simi Fihoku, who I shouted out, who is the DK Metcalf of this class, who's just an absolute Hawaiian DK Metcalf. He's an absolute freak. Um, but overall, I just, you know, I, I think the Cowboys are one of the better drafting franchises in the NFL over the past 10 years. I think the data brings that out. But this kind of reminds me a little bit of the, what was it, 2019 class, I guess, the Tony Pollard class where they got, um, who's the D tackle from UCF club? Tristan Hill. Tristan, Tristan Hill. Hill, yeah. Yeah, they went out and, and just had a really dud of a class outside of Pollard. And I can see, you know, I like Parsons, I like Jabril Cox. And I like uh, the UCLA D lineman, but other than that, Lee, it seems like you know more about Chauncey Golson than me. I just kind of the Detroit guy. Yeah, um, they all went out and got their yeah, guys. He went to King, so if I'm not mistaken. I mean, obviously, I think we're probably going to touch on classes, and I will touch on classes that you guys bring up that I think were worse than the Cowboys. But I think you know, really, a lot of this stems from them just passing on Asante Samuel Jr. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, man, I feel like a lot of this just comes down to, like, if Kelvin Joseph is good, then this is a good class, I think, for you. Yeah. So it's it's almost like I, I guess you're going to you're gonna be comparing those guys for their whole careers. But I think as of right now, you kind of just have to accept that Joseph was the pick and root for him to do well because I do believe that, you know, you you got to have a certain amount of, of, of trust in the Cowboys and their ability to draft good players. And if they think – if their scouts and personnel thought that Kelvin Joseph was a better pick, I'm sure they did their due diligence on Samuel as well. Then that's the guy they went with. And, you know, you very well could be right, and, and Samuel could be the better pick. I It'd be a really hard pick for me to make. I could see myself taking Samuel in that situation as well. But I don't think that you're getting a huge drop-off in drafting Kelvin Joseph. I still think that's a guy who can come in and be a legit corner in the NFL and, uh, from day one, honestly. I believe that. just to wrap it up, too, I also was – had a very similar, not as intense reaction to them taking Trayvon Diggs over Christian Fulton last year. I mean, this is literally, I had the same gripe last year when they passed on Christian Fulton for Trayvon Diggs, and Diggs was, you know, solid as a rookie. So, um, I mean, ultimately, I trust trust the brand, um, but, you know, not overly excited, not overly excited. Yeah, the last thing I'll say for the the Cowboys, Tommy, I just thought it was, it's just been interesting to watch them put in a lot of resources and money to Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch, and then all of a sudden you're just turning around and taking Micah Parsons and Jareel Cox. Yep. It's just like, at what point are you just keeping on throwing money into this linebacker pit? And I understand, you know, Leighton Vander Esch hasn't been on the field, and Jalen Smith hasn't exactly been playing great since he got the extension. So Sean Lee retired, too. It's and Sean Lee retired, so I understand that's a position – you need to address, but still, just in terms of team building as a whole, that's not what you, you necessarily love to see. Um, and would have liked them to see maybe get a bigger defensive lineman uh, you know, for that interior. Uh, I'm going to just throw out the Minnesota Vikings as a team that I thought did a really great job in the draft. Um, we talked all, I know Lee doesn't love Darisaw, but to move back and get him at 23 and add two third round picks when you didn't have a starting left tackle, I just thought it was an awesome move for them. Lee, they got your guy Kellen Mond, which will be interesting to see if they try and go with him post post Kirk Cousins, adding Chaz Surratt and Wyatt Davis with those with those Jets picks, or was the Jets pick sixty six? I'm not I'm not exactly certain. 
I think it was 66 and 86. Yeah, so adding, I mean, adding Wyatt Davis at, at guard with one of those picks in Calamont, I thought was good, and getting an athletic linebacker in Chaz Surratt, who, you know, maybe the knock on him was just not having some of that defensive acumen, which I think Mike Zimmer can can definitely help out with for sure. And then adding Amir Smith-Marset in, in late, in, late in the draft was a nice little sleeper wide receiver I liked. Getting Patrick Jalen Jones Twyman. and Jalen Twyman. I thought those Love were two, two nice picks for them. I just thought the Vikings, there wasn't one draft class even out of the whole NFL that I loved everything about it. But just in terms of kind of restocking the team, getting those extra picks, which they didn't really have because of the whole Yannick Ngakwe thing, um, I just thought it was a great, I just thought overall it was a very solid draft for the Vikings. Interestingly enough, too, there was rumblings that if, if Fields had fallen to 14, that they would have taken him there. So a bunch of different, yeah. you know, what could have happened things coming out of this draft, but I just thought as a whole Vikings, super, super solid uh, draft class. I don't know if you guys have anything to add. If not, we can just toss it to Lee. I guess just what I would say is I want to put it on record that I don't like Chaz Surratt at all. I never have. Um, I do think that the Vikings draft class was good, but it almost was like Jekyll and Hyde a little bit to me. I really didn't like that they took the uh, Kenny Nguanu, the running back from Iowa State in the fourth round. That just seems like I don't know. They already have Madison. Running backs, once you get past the third round, it's almost like you can wait longer to get a running back unless you really like a guy. Obviously, Dalvin's the bell cow. I just feel like that was a little bit rich. I like Cameron Bynum a lot too, Clef. I don't know if you mentioned him, but that's a guy who I want to say a year ago was getting mocked in the second round or was a fringe early round prospect. And I guess kind of uh, something or another happened that made him fall down the board. But yeah, I think the Vikings have proven in the past couple of years. First of all, I don't know how they get this many picks all the time, but the, yeah. the past couple of years they've been they've been pretty rock solid in bringing in uh, a good group of, of guys to come in and compete. Um, uh, Tommy, you have something to say? Yeah, I was just gonna say um, Surratt, man. Like, I don't know how they could draft Surratt after watching Darisaw's tape and watching Darisaw just demolish Chad Surratt <laughs> in that North Carolina game. I thought that was kind of interesting, but overall, a lot of good value. Patrick Jones is a name that. I think was really picking up steam in January and then just didn't he he ran like a five something and or four nine seven or something like that and it kind of tanked his value but has like really good tape. Clep, you mentioned Amir uh, Smith Marset, Wyatt Davis, another guy who had a little bit of a rough was dealing with a lot of injuries this past year but was supposed to be a first round pick going into this year. Um, I'm really in uh, in pro, kind of post draft. I didn't know anything about this guy pre draft, but this uh, Bryce Hall Bryce Hall's backup from uh, Iowa State, Kenan Ngawu or whatever, um, is just like a freak at running back. So I think he could be uh, have some potential. I just looked complete workout warrior. going to be interesting to see him in that kind of uh, scheme, that run scheme that they have, which I think can, you know, have a lot of uh, a lot of success for running back. So overall, I really like what the uh, the Vikings did. And to, to pile on the Mon pick, man, I mean, I think this is a great landing spot for Mon, man. You know, like I, I think I agree. I think the money's on him right now for me, at least. I could be wrong to be the successor to Cousins. I think it's a nice little. I think Cousins has two more years left on his deal. Um, Mond is a guy who, I mean, he's going to have a plethora of weapons here. Um, I think it's just a really good landing spot for him. Cash my uh, my under seventy five and a half ticket. Thank you Vikings for doing that. I was really sweating at the beginning of the third round, so it was good. It was a good class overall for Minnesota. Uh, yep. I'm going to go ahead and give a shout out the, uh, man, I love the way the Baltimore Ravens draft, man. Yeah. I just love the way they do business. Um, 
had a great class last year. Then uh, love the Rashad Bateman pick, like I said. Uh, Odafe Owe. Um, I like that pick at 31. That's what we're calling him now. No, no more, no more Jason. Um, ben Cleveland, we love it. Ben Cleveland, right in the face awesome. of Cleveland, in Cleveland, taking him. Bringing, out. bringing in a little more beef on that offensive line. I think Cleveland's going to be a day one starter at guard, and then in the in the back half of the draft, getting Tylen Wallace, a guy I know Tommy liked a lot. I thought he was a a stud. That's a guy who I, I would have argued the Lions could have taken as opposed to Amon Ra. Um, and then Sean Wade, who I believe is going to end up playing safety in the NFL. I think that it's a great landing spot for him to kind of get his confidence back and get in a group of dogs in that secondary um, that can really rise to the occasion because that's a guy who was a first-round prospect last year. Dalen Hayes, Ann Arbor guy, um, you know, kind of fell through the holes a bit in that uh, front five rotation at Notre Dame. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know if – you know, he didn't make that big of an impact at Notre Dame, but I do believe that, you know, he was, a, he was a highly rated high school prospect, and I think that with good coaching, he could end up being a bit of a gem in the fifth round. And then, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily love Ben Mason. He's just basically a tough guy. He played tough guy for Michigan. He played like fullback and a little D-line his junior year. But just a guy they want to bring in, be a good special teams guy, and, and bring that, that, that culture shift. Um, and then I'm going to go ahead since I went last and I'm going to, we're going to go snake a little bit here and I'm going to give out another class that I really liked. Um, and I'm going to give a, a quick shout out to Jake Dietz because I know I saw him making some comments about this. He, he, uh, texted me about it and that's the Tennessee Titans. Um, I think the Tennessee Titans did a really good job this year, even admitting that I wasn't the hugest Caleb Farley fan. And I probably was in the group of people who, whoop, what was my mic? I was in the group of people who would have probably dropped him down my board or maybe even taken him off because of the back injury, but they obviously felt good about him. If they can get him to you know, stay healthy, that can end up being a great pick. Bolstering the O-line with Dylan Radons in the second round after the Isaiah Wilson fiasco last year. And then Monty Rice in the third round, Elijah Molden in the fourth round, uh, Des Fitzpatrick in the fourth round, Rashad Weaver and Brady Brees. These are all guys that we've talked about throughout this draft prospect as guys that deep cuts, third to fourth to fifth round guys who really could end up making an impact on your team. Um, I know Weaver has this impending assault case on his hands. I don't really necessarily know what's going to come of that. But just speaking of these guys purely as football players, I think this is a phenomenal draft for the Tennessee Titans. Um, and I think that all these guys they drafted are going to be competing to be playing immediately. Um, on both sides of the ball with, you know, guys like Molden, Monty Rice, Brady Breeze, and then on offense, Des Fitzpatrick, Dylan Radon. Uh, so I, I agree with you, Lee. I agree with you um, totally. And and you know, I was a huge Farley guy, as both of you know. I guess my only pushback would be, is there any kind of concern that the only thing they did to address the departures of Corey Davis and Jonu Smith, who were, you know, big parts of their offense is taking Des Fitzpatrick in the fourth round and then Racy McMath in the in the sixth. Oh, that's right. Yeah, McMath. Well, I think McMath is strictly a special teams guy. To be honest, yeah. I don't even know he's he wasn't even on the the sheet I'm looking at. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, there's definitely concern there, Clep. And the thing that I would say is, I mean, I don't really know after they went with Farley in round one. I don't really know who you're going to bring in that's going to be able to fill that void. And I think they kind of just accepted the fact that they're not going to be able to fill it. And maybe they'll make some moves in order to do that because I do believe that they're going to regress in that way. But I think their philosophy was like, how can we, at each pick, how can we make our team 
better and more well-rounded, and they weren't necessarily solely focused on the offensive side because there were holes on the defense too. So yeah, no, I think that's definitely a concern. But just from a just from a, a talent standpoint of the crop of guys they brought in, I really think they did a good job of just bringing in good football players this year. And I mean, talk about yeah. them taking taking Raidens too. With I mean, there's a couple guys that went after the Bengals took a took a tackle after the Bengals even traded back from from their spot in the in the second. Guys that would have taken over Carmen there, Raidens would have been one of them, especially Cosby too. So yeah, good good value there. It. Yeah, I just want to say I really like what the Titans did. Um, obviously, they didn't really fill the. I mean, I would have if they took Tylen Wallace, who I think went three picks after Des Fitzpatrick. I, this probably would have been my favorite class, but Lee kind of went over it. I mean, these are just a amalgamation of of BJP boys, you know, with Monty Rice, Elijah Molden, Rashad Weaver is a guy who kind of reminds me of Curtis Weaver last year, which I might it might be not be a good comp, but not really an overall good athlete, but just has like really nice hands and already has kind of a a, a nice pass rushing skill set. Um, so yeah, I, I really like what what the Titans did, and I think you know, all in all, it's it's easier to kind of get that receiving production. I think with with less talent than it would be to you know get the corner talent that that Farley's going to bring, and even uh, an Elijah Molden. And the good news is they have AJ Brown, who you know is an elite elite receiver. So uh, you know at least they kind of have that. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how the Titans kind of evolve on offense this year um, from the receiving uh, standpoint. Um, um, let's let, let's go kind of quickly, Tommy. I guess a team that uh, I wasn't super impressed with. And, and I mean, it's 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 a little bit of a. It would just be, I guess, the Jets. I didn't love what they. I mean, obviously Zach Wilson. I'm not a fan of. I understand moving up for Vera Tucker, but I thought getting rid of those two third round picks with so many holes on their roster was just kind of a mistake. Elijah Moore, I know how much you love him, Tommy, and I think he's a talented player, but your receivers were pretty set, at least going into this season, um, to not take a tackle there at 34, I thought was an interesting decision, and then kind of getting a, a low-value position in running back with Michael Carter. I know that room isn't too strong, but he, at the end of the day, he is a good pass protector, so that will help out Zach Wilson. Obviously, I like Jamie and Sherwood, but... Just don't know if they got a ton of foundational guys that they really need to, to get this thing going after giving up those third-round picks. So that was my main yeah. issue with it, was just giving up those thirds. Clep, it kind of seems like from pick 154 to pick 200, they took four D-backs, and it kind of seems like they're just throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping that one of those guys yeah. can be good. Um, you know, like, uh, you're taking but, three safeties and, and two corners, and it, it's just like... Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I wasn't. I wasn't blown away, and I guess that all kind of starts with Zach Wilson. But yeah, I wasn't necessarily blown away by what the Jets were doing. Um, I yeah. yeah. I think. Um, I mean, and I Tommy, I don't mean to force you to play like devil's advocate. For, no, no. For Wilson and more, it, it was more just like you could have just stuck there at at twenty three and taken Darisaw, and then at the top of the second, you well, could have taken Landon Dickerson or something to plug in. Inside, I don't. I just thought well, they the left side of your have... line is still George Fan and Greg Van Roten. Totally. So I, I just don't get that. Was just a, I, well, I, I think, was shocked. You so. know, I I like Darisaw more than Vera Tucker just because of the positional value. But I mean, Darisaw. They obviously Darisaw was on the board for them, and so was Landon Dickerson at both of those picks. I think it's obviously kind of the Joe Douglas doing it his way. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see where Vera Tucker. Plays to start. I mean, yeah. I maybe they play try right and play him at left tackle. They might uh, yeah. try him at left tackle. I'm well, sorry, right, right tackle. Right, yeah, yeah, right tackle. Um, and then Elijah Moore. 
is a guy who I comp to Jamison Crowder. I think he's a better version of Jamison Crowder, has more upside. Younger. Um, I, I think there's some, yeah. I think there's some rumblings about Crowder getting cut, which would make sense because um, they can save ten million bucks this year, and Elijah Moore can just step in as their slot with Corey Davis and Denzel Mims on the outside. I think that's a nice little. I mean, overall, I, I mentioned this. I'm going to be repeating myself to you guys, but I want I, we didn't talk about this on air. But I think when we look back three years from now, you know, the yes, they gave up three picks to go up and get a guard, probably in Elijah Vera Tucker. But if, if Elijah Vera Tucker is a fringe pro ball guard every year. I think that's we're going to look back at that and be like, wow, what a seminal first draft for Zach Wilson. And I mean, I think Elijah Moore. I mean, I I think he's a stud. So I think like getting those, they're really put a lot of this capital into offense, which I think is the right move to do with getting a guy like Zach Wilson, who I think you want to invest as much as you can into. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought they were going to take Darisaw. Like I'm not going to lie, when they traded up, I was like, oh, this has to be for Darisaw. Um, but, you know, either way, like Joe Douglas, overall, I trust Joe Douglas as a talent evaluator. I, I really like what the Jets did last year, and I really like their first four picks um, this year, too, and even Sherwood. And and I think Michael Carter is, is a really nice player, versatile dude um, out of the backfield, too. And they have a nice little, you know, Ty Johnson, Michael Carter, Michael Pirine. Um, they've got some above-average runners there. So, Tommy, to, to wrap this up, who what, what's a class that you like? I mean, there's a lot of ways that I can go here. Um, I just want to maybe just continue to to shower Andrew Barry in, uh, in, in good compliments up in Cleveland just because I thought JOK was going to be the pick at, at 26. Obviously, um, you know, post-draft it came out that he had a little bit of a heart condition or a problem, something like that. But being able to get Greg Newsom, who, you know, again, like much like Sertain with Denver in isolation, I like adding more corners like Greedy Williams. We all weren't, you know, maybe I guess I was the biggest greedy guy, but we all weren't huge on greedy coming out and not really resting on those laurels and now having Denzel Ward. And he, and he tore his Achilles. No, he tore his uh, ACL. Or ACL, sorry. Delpit was the Achilles. Yeah. But yeah, those first two picks, I think, were just probably my first, the, the best two picks of the first two rounds, I think. It'd be either that or the Chargers getting Slater and um, Asante Samuel. And then getting a guy like Anthony Schwartz, who, you know, I didn't really do tape study on him, but I, we've, I've known about him for the past couple of years just because he's been the fastest man in college football and one of the fastest dudes on the planet. So I think adding that type of speed to their offense is something that they, they really don't have and I think can kind of expand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can expand their offense a little bit. And then, you know, getting James Hudson, who's a high upside tackle, uh, you know, former D tackle at Michigan who moved to Cincinnati and was showing some nice strides in the fourth round, I think is great value. Getting Klepp, getting your boy Tommy Togagagai, 45 Togi. reps, 44 reps on the bench, just like Ooh. a guy's going to sign D1 Dow too. Yep, and yeah. <laughs> well, and, uh, and getting Demetric Felton, who's a guy who I don't think I mentioned on the sleeper, list but uh you know was a running back at ucla who has a legit starting slot i mean really good route runner really good route runner um and then they got marvin wilson as an undrafted free agent so that doesn't really count towards their draft class but another guy who was going to be a first round pick this year coming into this year and and kind of had a bad year for florida state but if he left and went to the 29 2020 draft last year probably would have been a, a day you know top 50 pick um, so overall, I think the Browns, it's either the Browns or the Ravens for me, like as the, just the smartest kind of franchises in the NFL right now, I think when it comes to, you know, player development and drafting, I think Lee already mentioned the Ravens. I really like what they did, obviously. So, 
Um, I'm going to give the Browns some shine as well. I mean, I think the Browns have the best roster in the NFL right now. I think straight up. Um, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Getting Brandon Oso Kamara in to play linebacker and yeah, then Newsom to secondary. Baker. You got a big old Baker bomb. Exactly. Well, that, exactly. So. It comes down to Baker. But outside of Baker, man, there's not a lot of holes on, on this roster. Uh, let's just to, to wrap up this conversation, let's go around, just talk about some individual players at individual spots. Maybe we, we liked. I'd like to stick positive. I'm just going to shout out some guys that I liked. Obviously, starting with Sweet. the Seahawks. Taking Stone Forsythe, 208th overall. I don't know if there was some some medical stuff there or what, but you got a you got a Mount Everest tackle in the sixth round. Who, you know, there was ups and downs, but man, the, the good was really good. I know he's a little older. I think he's like 24, but I had him rated higher than Carmen Clap. Yeah, I I I just thought that was a that was a good great pick for the Seahawks in the sixth round. Maybe the Bengals should have taken a swing on him in the sixth round. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, I'm going to do three little rapid fires real quick, and um, I'm going to be a little pessimistic. Let's stick in Seattle. Dwayne Eskridge, as the was that their first pick? Yeah. Dwayne Eskridge? I mean, that's just brutal, man. I'm sorry. He's 24 years old, has problem with drops, just not really in need, I think. I guess we talked about this when we did our Seattle pod. I, you know, I guess they could use a slot receiver, but I just think the value, you know, when we, we already talked about the Amon Ra's, the Tylen Wallace's of the world. Getting a guy like Eskridge, who I think is a little bit of a one-trick pony and is already 24 and has had drop issues throughout his career at um, in Western, I just thought was a bad pick. Stick in the division, 2-2 Atwell to the Rams. I mean, I just that pick doesn't make any sense. It's almost just like Deshaun Jackson insurance. Um, he's a guy who I was really low on, kind of is a one-trick pony, um, is going to be a slot, and he's 150 pounds. So I, I, I'm going to be interested to see how McVay wants to implement him so both of those picks I thought were pretty awful in terms of receivers going in the second round um and then last but not least let's end on a positive note I know Lee was going to echo this but Rondell Moore going to the Cardinals is probably one of my favorite fits uh I can't wait to see how he's implemented in their offense I think he's probably already the second best receiver on their team uh and just the creative ways that that Cliff and and the rest of that team and Kyler I want to see Rondell Moore go deep a little bit more too you know like he was kind of just used as a, a in that LaVisca role at Purdue, and I think he has so much untapped potential, and going to a team like Arizona I think was just an unbelievable fit for him. Yeah, you stole that one. Um, I agree with that, Tommy. I think Rondale, obviously, already loved Rondale as a prospect, and I think him going to Arizona is awesome, just awesome for him. I would agree that he's the second-best receiver on their team from day one, and I'm really interested to see what they do with him. Um, I'll stick with the same position. I'm going to say Amari Rodgers going 85th to the Green Bay Packers. I just think that he's kind of that squatty kind of slot type of guy that mm-hmm. I think could be huge for Green Bay if, if Aaron Rodgers does stick around. Uh, it did bother me how much they were making like such a big deal that his name was A. Rodgers, too. And they're like, oh, they're, they're drafting a receiver who's A. Rodgers. Rich Eisen going over and over again about how Amari – like, we get it. The guy's name is A. Rogers. Like, you don't have to beat the heck out of it. But anyway, that's the, that's a different story for a different day. I like that pick a lot for for the Packers. Um, and then, Tommy, you, you caught me off guard a little bit taking Rondale from me. So I'm, I'm kind of scrolling a little bit here. Oh, yeah, I do want to say I did want to give a shout-out to the New England Patriots. Love what the Patriots did this year in the draft. I think, you know, we already kind of talked about Barmore with my uh, – with my Lions breakdown saying that I wanted them to get him. I think them getting Barmore with the 38th pick in the draft was absolutely awesome. 
especially considering the biggest knock on him was his lack of coachability. Um, that's not going to be an issue in New England. And if it is, he, his career is going to end fairly quick in New England, which I don't think is going to happen. I think he's going to be very successful there. And then turning around, you know, uh, 60 or so picks later and taking Ronnie Perkins with a 96 pick in the draft. I mean, say what you want about Ronnie Perkins, you know, bendability. He has arguably the best motor out of any edge in the class. I think he's a natural leader. I love his physicality. And I think he's going to bring that edge to uh, to New England with him. And, and then I'll say stick in New England with 177th pick, taking Cam McGrone. I mean, this is a linebacker from Michigan who I think has a lot of potential. Um, he played some bad football last year for Michigan. I won't doubt that for a second. But I still believe that he's a very moldable prospect and could end up being a starting consistent starting linebacker for the New England Patriots. Wouldn't be shocked at all. Uh, I'm going to go on a little bit of a roll here. The Miami Dolphins taking Liam Eikenberg yeah. with the four. Oh, that was gonna, I was going to talk about that one. Lee, I think that that's, a, yeah. that's an interesting one to talk about too since they took a receiver up top, right? And that's kind of the mm-hmm. one debate we were having all, all draft season was like, oh, do you take the receiver and then hope one falls, hope a tackle falls to you? And that's what that's what they did. And I think getting Eikenberg yeah. was just a great, um, great one-two punch with as much as I'm not uh, totally sold on Waddle, especially being a, a top 10 selection. Uh, I thought that was just a great response there in the second round. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. And I think that everyone was kind of, you know, uh, speculating before the draft with the Eric Flowers trade happening. Oh, whoa, are they make that Eric Flowers trade played zero role in what they were doing in the first round of the draft. And I think they kept their eye on the ball and they had a really good draft. The Dolphins did um, with kind of the, the, I think they only had like four or five picks. Um, Deontay Brown. The guard from Alabama getting picked 193rd to the Carolina Panthers. I, I think this is a guy who. Blastoise. Not what was that, Tommy? Blastoise. Well, yeah, not a great athlete, but I mean a complete man eater and just like a, a, a prototype as just a hog molly and someone who talk about another team that we haven't talked about that much with the draft. I mean, I know you guys have heard me say my piece about Terrace Marshall. I don't think the world of him, but this Carolina Panthers team had a great draft. Well, um, I'll, I'll say that I love that pick. I'll put that out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, I, th- I, I even if you don't like Terrence Marshall, I think like the positional versatility with you now have DJ Moore and Terrence Marshall are two dudes who I think are comfortable in the slot or the outside. I, I Well, if and if anyone knows Terrence Marshall's ability to play football, it's Joe Brady, the yep. guy who was his offensive coordinator at LSU. So it's kind of hard to deny that pick considering Joe Brady probably was the one uh, you know, doing the most, turning in the card there. Yeah. Um, that pretty much, I think, wraps up. I want to, uh, sorry, yeah. Lee, I want to I no, want to no, go I... back to the Dolphins because um, there's two points I want to make. Obviously, Waddle, love Jalen Waddle, middle-class Tyreek Hill, Jalen Phillips, hit that four-way mock to go back. And they took Javon Holland, man. Javon Holland was the first safety off the board going to Miami, a guy who I uh, was kind of my crushes throughout the, throughout the year. And, you know, Miami kind of, You've got Eric Rowe, and I forget who their other safety is, but not a lot of dynamic playmakers at safety. I think Javon Holland um, has the potential to be like this year's Antoine Winfield. I really think the the combination of instincts and just the role that he's going to step into from day one, I think, is a perfect fit. We touched on Eichenberg, uh, and I think something that you know they didn't draft. This isn't really a, a point of a player they drafted, but I think uh, to to go into the the analytics, RBs don't matter, Horn. The fact that they didn't draft a running back and stuck uh, decided to stuck with Miles Gaskin and, and Savon Ahmed, I think is just a heady move from that front office. I think them realizing that there's you know better players out there, there's more positions of need that they can address 
rather than going out and getting, you know, a guy like Javante Williams, who I really liked, um, I think is worth mentioning and uh, just another, you know, data point to see how that argument evolves. Yeah, I mean, I would I was saying that before the draft, though, as someone who is more of a running backs guy than than you are, I guess. Um, you know, I was saying the Dolphins shouldn't take a running back because I think the proof was in the pudding with what Miles Gaskin and Salvan Ahmed did, uh, you know, last year, as opposed to somewhere like Pittsburgh where those running backs didn't really show you that much. Um, and Miami, they really did. The, their running game really was pretty good last year with those guys. Um, and then I got a shout-out the Pittsburgh Steelers drafting Quincy Roche with the 216th pick in the draft. I mean, this is just a pick that I think is going to be go down as one of the better picks in this draft ultimately because I do believe Quincy Roche will be a starting player for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I was astonished to see him uh, fall this far in the draft, but I'm really glad he ended up in Pittsburgh. I think he's going to be able to thrive there. I, I, I'll be the first one to say I really like what Pittsburgh did in this year's draft. I think we preach it all the time on this podcast, do it your way. Man, the Pittsburgh Steelers organization is closed to anyone but the people in the Pittsburgh Steelers organization, and I just can't help but respect that. Um, they're not listening to anyone on Twitter or in the NFL media talking about their offensive line. They're figuring things out from the inside out, and I really like that. Love that they went out and got Pat Fryermuth in the second round. I think he's an absolutely an immediate large upgrade from Eric Ebron, their current tight end. Um, and I think that he's going to make an impact immediately. I'm really excited to see what this Steelers offense is going to do next season and how much their offensive line or lack thereof is really truly going to impact their offense. I think that's going to be one of the more interesting storylines coming into next year. Yeah, I just wanted to, Lee, I think that's, you know, I, obviously everyone knows how I feel, but if they're able, if their lack of offensive line, you know, starting caliber, talent, and depth, doesn't hurt them, then I think, you know, then the Harris pick makes a little bit more sense. Completely agree with what you said about Fryermuth and shout out Kendrick Green, who came a long way from that Sleepers episode to going all the way up yeah. in the third round. Didn't really think that he was going to be a day two guy. Shout out Buddy Johnson, too. I was about they to say, Buddy boy, Johnson at 140. Buddy Johnson. Um, I'm going to stay in the state real quick and uh, shout out Kenneth Gainwell going to the Eagles. I think the Eagles actually had a kind of, now that I'm yep. looking over their class, a really nice class, man. Obviously, they got Devonta Smith, who's going to be their number one receiver from day one. And I think we'll do wonders for Jalen Rager. I think Rager was never really that guy and was kind of had a lot of, uh, you know, unnecessary pressure on him as a rookie last year. I think Devonta Smith opens that up a lot for him because Devonta Smith can kind of, I mean, who's to say that Devonta Smith doesn't get 100 to 120 targets this year? Maybe even like, a, you know, I just think he's going to be Rager Jalen Hurts. <laughs> Point taken, Klepp. Uh, and then the second round, getting Landon Dickerson, just unbelievable, uh, unbelievable talent. Uh, I've talked about, we've talked about him a lot through the process. Milton Williams was a guy who kind of came onto my radar a little bit late, but literally has like Aaron Donald. Was the, is the freakiest athlete of the position since Aaron Donald. Obviously, I'm not saying he's Aaron Donald, but high upside guy who kind of has versatility, can play on the edge or on the inside. And then last but not least, shout out my boy Kenneth Gainwell, who will be making an immediate impact in Philadelphia. Just takes another. Miles Sanders cannot stay healthy. I think getting a guy like Kenneth Gainwell, um, best receiving back in, in the draft, just has a lot of versatility. Love Kenneth Gainwell. So I like what the Eagles did. I'll finish up with two shout-outs. Uh, how about Marlon Williams signing a, a free agent deal with, with the Texans? Mm. That receiver room isn't necessarily set. That man can make a roster. The Texans who like made two trades – 
in the middle of the draft. Like they, <laughs> the, the, the Texans. I will say, I will say up. for the Texans, I don't mind the Davis Mills thing. Why not? Like, no, I'm, I, I, know. people are all hating. I mean, I love Nico Collins. You guys mm-hmm. know that. I think that they're, and I thought getting Brevin Jordan in the fifth round, yeah. like, are you kidding me? I thought that was awesome on yeah. their part. There's really only so much you can do, but they did trade. They traded up. I don't know what the specifics are. I got to look it up. They traded up in the draft uh, and, and gave away like future assets to move up. And then they traded up again because I think they realized the guy that they were targeting, whether it was Brevin Jordan or I think it was Nico Collins, they realized that he was going to get selected. So they traded up twice and ended up giving up like four picks to move up like 15 slots in the third round. So uh, Nick Casiero or whatever is, is still, his feet are still a little wet in that GM room for, for Houston. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I do want to say that, uh, don't know much about Wallow or Lopez, their last two picks. I'm assuming Wallow is going to be more of a special teams guy. That's but, shout out Daigle from that's, that's yeah, Daigle's boy. That's a Daigle guy. Yeah. Well, Mills, Collins and Jordan, I think for a team as depleted as the Texans are, I think bringing in three young guys like that, who none of them are superstars, but they all have potential and they could, you could build something with those guys. Um, I I like, you know, I I don't, I can't hate on that. So you got to give a little tip of the cap. No, uh, no, no corners there in Houston, which uh, their secondary is looking pretty bad. And I do want to say, just to underline this, I've been giving out a lot of praise. Really unhappy with what the Colts did this year in the draft. Mm, I mean, like that. I like Quiddy Pay. Don't get me wrong. I, I took him into what I would do. I think it's a great landing spot for him. I get that. Great. You got Quiddy Pay. But turning around and getting another D lineman and Odenigbo, who's coming off, uh, I want to say, an Achilles injury, um, may not even be ready for the start of the year. Taking a tight end in, in the fourth round, that guy better be pretty good, right? I mean, you're taking a tight end from SMU in the fourth round. And then I like Ellinger a lot, but it's like you have you took Jacob Eason last year in the fourth round and you just traded for Carson Wentz. So it's like how deep does your quarterback room really need to be uh, in order for you to succeed? I don't know. Kind of a head-scratching draft this year from the Colts, not really addressing the offensive line, not really addressing the secondary too much outside of Sean Davis, the safety from Florida in the fifth round. Um, yeah, so I, I can't say I usually love to see what Ballard does, and this year I, I can't help but say I was a little bit disappointed with them. Shout out Jalen Darden going to Tampa, baby. That'll be interesting. Jalen Darden, Jalen Darden do, versus Mario Rogers. I'm kind of on a roll right now. I also want to say not thrilled with what the Jaguars and Urban Meyer did in the yep. first draft. Yeah. Um, well, and that's that's something Lee, you and I, you and I were talking a lot about. Wow, they have a really good chance here to get this thing rolling uh, yep. in the right direction. Obviously, I mean, taking Trevor Lawrence, this should be a huge boost uh, to them. And hey, hey, I like Cisco. Come on now, let's not let's not get too too yeah. down in the dirt. No, no, no. But... I don't want to hate on. I don't want to hate on Cisco. It's not even like he was the straw that broke the camel's back. For me, it was Tyson Campbell with the first pick in the yeah. second round. I mean, they better have a philosophy there. I'm assuming they do because the board is wide open. You spent money at DB uh, on uh, Shaquille Griffin. You drafted C.J. Henderson last year. I just feel like you really could have addressed, and me personally, with being the Barmore guy, Taven Bryan, you're declined his fifth-year option. You don't have a lot of you know girth on that D-line, and I don't know if Jay Tufule in the in the fourth round, I like him, but I don't know if he's going to really be able to ring the bell quite like uh, Barmore did. And then, you know, I, I don't know. I think that there might be a tiny bit of uh, urbanizational hubris 
going on here. If you catch my drift a little Whoa. bit. Taking Luke Farrell in the fifth round, like, dude, I get it. He went to Ohio State, and he's like a big, beefy tight end. I don't really know, you know, if there's a there there, as my as my big bro likes to say, with Luke Farrell. Isn't he just like a, a blocking guy? I, I, I could be wrong, but I just well, and, don't don't love that. And and I always talked about Fryermuth being like a position here for the Jags, and they, they still don't have a tight end. I don't think Farrell's you know going to compete to be that. I think it's Jeff Swaim, um, pretty much is their uh, is their starting tight end. Yeah, I think. I mean, I talked about Walker Little. I think that's like a nice upside pick, but I completely agree with. Don't Lee. hate that. Yep. It's it's don't really it's really the Etn Campbell combination. I think at where they were at twenty five and thirty three. To go in that direction, I just think was you know a little misguided. Yeah. Almost like a know. almost like an anti Lions move, like just getting kind of a corner and a running back when you could have built the trenches up a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This kind of rem- and I, I want to say too, like I don't even hate the ETN pick that much because I know what Urban Meyer can do with a stable of running backs, and it's very impressive. And I think, hey man, if you think you can do that in the NFL with ETN Robinson and and I guess Carlos Hyde, go ahead and do it. Um, you know, I like the connection there with Clemson. I think ETN's a really talented player, but I still think that based on the way the, the, their roster is that there's a, a few different directions they could have gone, um, not only with that pick, but with, with the few picks after it well, where, and, you know, they could have taken advantage of the board a bit better. And just to piggyback off that too, it's just like, they just got a thousand yards of production from an undrafted free agent last year. Like, I just, and I mean, I guess I know it's a new, you know, Urban's coming in, he's new, and I know their GM is, is new too, Trent Balky. Um, and I know there, Lee, you mentioned, you made some good points, and I guess if you're going to this zone-style scheme, ETN's definitely a better fit than Robinson, who's a little bit more of a traditional, you know, power back with this all-around skill set. But I just, you know, again, this team has a lot of holes, and that's just a luxury pick that, is I think, is going to be sticking with me. Even if ETN performs well, which I think he will. Like, it's going to be, he's... He's an explosive, explosive player. Um, well, and and two, just in in the grand scheme of things, they ended up with Etn and Caleb on Chasen for Jalen Ramsey, right? Yeah, yep, yep. Good point. Like that's what you got. Yep. And that kind of just goes to the whole thing where the draft picks they can look pretty when you get them, but when yep. it, when it turns into something, yeah. Obviously, we all like Etn, but it's more like the positional thing, like you were saying, Tommy. And I don't mean Chase on did not really impress in his first year, and none of us were really too impressed with him coming out. Also, uh, a team we haven't talked about, but I know in the group chat on draft day we were talking about uh, the Chiefs. Man, um, I wasn't a huge Nick Bolton guy, but like great value for him basically at the end of the second round um, at a position in need, and then getting Creed Humphrey, my guy Trey Smith at the end of the sixth round, and Cornell Powell, who's a nice you know slot kind of high floor receiver out of Clemson. I just think that was really nice with the Chiefs, you know, and you have to factor in the fact they got Orlando Brown too. All of a sudden, this offensive line is deep and talented, adding Humphrey and, and Trey Smith. So I just yeah. I really like what the Chiefs did, and I think we'd be remiss if we don't really touch on the Raiders real quick because obviously we, we kind of did a, a recap of the first round. We didn't mention that they went out and got Alex Leatherwood, who we thought it was a reach a little bit when Klepp took him at 20 with the Bears, and, and Mayock said, I'll raise you one taking him, um, you know, in, in, at the 17th overall pick. And, you know, I think we all like Leatherwood, kind of a high-floor dude, you know. Well, I think, Tommy, what, how would we think about it if you just flipped Morgan Leatherwood? I uh, think that's, well, that's interesting. Yes. That's what I was about to say because, you know, Mayock has been getting a lot of well-deserved flack for his past couple drafts, Gruden too. But then they go out and get Morgan in the second round. 
Um, they got Divine Diablo and Tyree Gillespie, Gillespie, who are two just like physical, kind of like Jonathan Abram-esque players. I think Diablo's going to play linebacker. I think Gillespie's even better than Abram. Um, so they got some some value there. I didn't even know who Malcolm Kuntz was. So, uh, again, you know, going to be interesting to see how this Raiders I like Jimmy Morrissey ages. from Pittsburgh. Yeah. He was good. Yeah, he was good. I, yeah, Jimmy Morrissey might start for them this year. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I also, sorry, Derisaw, too, was on the board when they took Leatherwood. I'd love to hear their, I guess they just view Leatherwood as a little bit. I better. like that, man. He just took his guy. Yeah. He just took a guy. He thought he was better than, than Derisaw. You know, he doesn't live in the monolith. Yeah. Um, I like I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I also want to say uh, I'm officially calling out the Cincinnati Bengals as a team that just can't draft well, period. They're just not good at drafting. And they'll make a couple picks every year where you're like, oh, I think that was a decent pick. Um, but I just don't think that they really have their ducks in a row. And I don't really think that there's a philosophy in Cincinnati. I don't really think that there's a really a, a plan, a very strong one at least. Uh, obviously, Jamar Chase is an incredible player. Joseph Asai, I think, is going to come in and make an impact. But I don't really know. You know this goes back to much. last year too. like, Of course. And I don't really know how much – they improved their offensive line in the draft this year. They didn't. Like, I just don't know. They did not. You know, we'll, we'll see. Time will tell. I did just say that Morrissey could be starting for the Ravens, so I want to be fair here. But but it's like the offensive line was clearly what you needed to address with the Cincinnati Bengals. I would argue more so than any other team in the league position-wise. It was the Cincinnati Bengals needed to address their offensive line. Um, and they, I guess the way they went about doing that was, I think, a little bit – half-assed, and it wasn't really an all-in approach, and I think that they're going to be kind of running into the same issues with that offensive line that they did last year. Uh, I don't think Jackson Carmen's going to be moving the needle. I don't know if he can play tackle. I think maybe he can. I, I'm not. I'm no expert, but if he can't, that's a huge problem. You know, like, I just think that taking the risk on the guy who people are saying can't play tackle, I know he, he's, an, he's a fairly good athlete for his size. He's an impressive puller, so him playing guard is like, it might be opportune for them, but then that just leaves you with a huge hole at tackle. Well, I'm still, sure. So. I'm sure they're you know they're going to put Carmen at guard. They're going to have Riley Reef starting at tackle, which is obviously less than ideal, but he's still you know you know an average an average tackle who's a veteran in this league. Mm-hmm. He's below average at this point. He's he's definitely he was getting below replaced average. by Mike Remmers in in Minnesota. Yeah, he, he, I mean that's it's not that's not good. I mean it's better than Bobby Hart, but literally that would be everyone else in the league. It's it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. And taking Evan McPherson at 149, like, great guys. The kicker. You, you got yeah. a kicker. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, I, I also think if you draft it, you just shouldn't draft kickers. You just shouldn't do it. It doesn't make any sense. So Yeah, I think that's uh, yeah, that's obviously bad. Again, I don't think the Bengals did especially well. I think, you know, I obviously was on the side of taking Jamar. I think they clearly had the worst draft in the division. I'll say that. I'd agree with that. Yeah. I think I'd probably agree too, but they're I mean, arguably the the Browns and the Ravens are two of the best drafts in the league. I don't think their I don't think their their draft was a train wreck. Like if they drafted Sewell, would their draft be any different and you replace Carmen with, you know, Deami Brown or, or Terrence Marshall? I mean, I think that's interesting. I think it's just a reflection of you know, how we feel about Carmen. Um I think Jamar Chase is an absolute stud. Like I and I think, you know, he's gonna help out Joe Burrow. He better be. He better yeah, be Julio. Is, like he better he be is. Julio. So I, 
I think you know, I, you know, it's not going to be Julio with Brandon Allen throwing Penny the ball. Penny Sewell is an absolute stud too. Yeah, and and Brandon and, and Jamar Chase won't be a stud with Brandon Allen playing quarterback. I know that for sure. Yeah, but Clep, you can't like, you can't just assume that Joe Burrow's chances of getting injured are more with Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell. I, I think, think I absolutely such... can. I absolutely well, can. Penn, even if Penn if they followed the club draft plan, Joe Burrow's not having any, any dirt on his jersey in half the games this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just think like their their offensive line is, you know, maybe Jonah Williams and Sewell would have would have shored up the, those tackle spots, but still, like the, their offensive line is in shambles. And I'm not saying that Carmen or, you know, Trey Hill. But then they did nothing to try and fit. That's the whole thing. It's like you're acting like their offensive line would still be in shambles. They got Sewell. I'm saying they should have taken more than Sewell. And it's like, yeah. why did you just sign Galladay in free agency? Like, it's just it's just ridiculous. So, I don't want to go. They also drafted Chris Evans in the sixth round, which I kind of, I, I'll openly hate on that. Just not not yeah. my style. You, you um, really, Chris Evans, you really Chris, like Chris, Chris Evans. Evans could hardly break through on the Michigan, depleted Michigan running back depth chart. And, like, he had never. He was most impressive when he was 18 years old, and was never the same player after. And I don't know who propped him up on this pedestal to be the fact that I know this is out of left field, but the fact that Marlon Williams isn't drafted and Chris Evans is going in the sixth round of the Bengals, it's just like doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know where this came from. I don't know if it's like a PFF thing where like Chris Evans was graded, however he graded out, but he's not good. He's not good. And if he is good, then he was terrible at Michigan, and I don't know what happened because anyone who is is a Michigan fan and watched Chris Evans, I don't know how you could see him and be like, oh, I want him on my NFL team. He was like the fifth best running back at Michigan. So I think, I mean, yeah, you obviously are know Michigan more than me, but I mean, Evans was the starting running back and then all of a sudden wasn't, and it wasn't because of injury. He right? wasn't the starting running back. Well, when he was a freshman, right? I mean, he he like hit. He, he, he was a gadget player. His role, as a his role, it decreased as he got older. Well, because he he got suspended for cheating. He had there was a cheating scandal. He couldn't play for two years. He had to transfer out and transfer back in. Jeez. And then when he came back in, it was this past year, and he he completely got drowned in the rotation because he wasn't as good as Corum, Charbonnet, or Haskins. He he was not as good as any of them. So I just don't understand. Especially with a, for like running backs, like I just don't get why you're you're taking a shot on that guy in the sixth round. Like I I, I think that pick could be valuable. You know, it is pick two hundred two or whatever. And I just think you know, even a guy like I'll say Kylan Hill or something like that. Like there are dudes out there that are just better. Yeah, than I Chris like. Evans, I mean, I, I like Kylan Hill. Um, we don't have to harp on it for too long. It's not yeah. that important. But I I just don't. It's just another reason why I don't like the Bengals draft really. Um, and I think that the Bengals kind of just are throwing darts at the wall a little bit at a certain point. Like I said, it, I just get the overwhelming feeling that there's really not that much of a plan there and that they very well could end up winning like five or six games this year. And now it's like, okay, new coach. And it's like, all right. Like, it just doesn't really seem like there's much moving in their favor right now, especially the way the division is trending. Tommy, you saying Cleveland with the best roster. We all know what Baltimore has. We can doubt Pittsburgh as much as we want, but I mean, there's still Tomlin. There's still the Steelers. Like, they're still going to have a good defense. They're still going to be really hard to beat. I just don't know what Cincinnati is really doing to to move the needle that much. Yeah, playing Madden football. They're playing Madden football. Yeah, and it's going to be fun to watch I, Chase I and Higgins in that offense. But it's just like I don't know how many games it's going to win them. I really don't. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to monitor. 
because they, um, you know, I mean that, that they're receiving. I I don't think you know, Brandon Jamar. I think he's a number. He's a number one receiver. T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. I think are twos. I don't think. I think T Higgins played well last year, but I don't think he's a number one. Um, and obviously, you know, it'll be interesting to see with Mixon back healthy. Um, yeah, I I don't really know what to think about Cincinnati. I I, I mean, I tend to agree with with you guys with their lack of kind of. Uh, well, and the whole philosophy too, Tommy, like you will agree, is like taking advantage of the rookie contract too, like the rookie deal. And th- that that has just like been eviscerated right now. They're doing the opposite of that. Burrow had an, had an ACL injury and now they're still not really, like I said, they're still kind of aimless in a way. So now we're going to go through year two of the rookie contract where the Bengals are inevitably not going to make the playoffs. I mean, this could be the intro if the Bengals make the playoffs. Like, they're not going to do anything. So I just don't really know. There's not even a feeling that they might make the playoffs. Like, there's really not that, even with Jamar Chase. I just don't, it's just not really. And I think that that would have changed if they had a better draft. If we were talking about the Bengals having a much better draft and taking Jamar Chase, and maybe they took like an Eichenberg, and then they ended up getting you know a guard we really like, like Ben. Yeah, Cleveland well, like in the I guess round. and then this has to be an exercise in like Jackson Carmen. If Jackson Carmen is like a really nice guard for them, um, you know, obviously like we were all higher on Eichenberg and, and other alignment other than than Carmen, but Carmen, you know, was a three year starter at, at Clemson, was a high, highly rated recruit, um, is from Cincinnati, I believe. I think you know. Whether or not he develops into their right tackle of the future, or is just a really nice guard, if he, if he provides any value, then then it still kind of is the the other edge of the sword, you know. Like it, it still is, you know, receiver Jamar at five, car, you know, Lyman in the second. Yeah, round. I think just maybe to to wrap up this conversation, it's like for at least from what I'm getting from Lee, like our opinion is that even if you took Carmen in the second round, and even if you took Jamar Chase in, in the first round, you still didn't do enough to address your offensive line. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I and, and, and it goes to this offseason as a whole. Like, you could have done more in free agency, could have done more in the draft after your quarterback ran for his life all season, then towards ACL, and he didn't really do anything. So, and it's not even like the ACL, he was getting the crap kicked yeah, out of him. It wasn't before, a ran, yeah, way be- weeks before the ACL injury. It was like a thing where people are like, hey, he's gonna get hurt, he's yeah. gonna get hurt. Yeah, that was basically, yeah, that was totally the thing. So, when Klepp says, like, yeah, I can say that he's more likely. Like, I almost agree because it's like, yeah, I mean, I guess it's all flux in a way when you go out there and the whistle blows. Like, it's not like there's a direct correlation between. But it, but you can safely say if we have a more secure, deep, trustworthy offensive line, there's a less likely chance our quarterback is going to get injured. And I just think that Cincinnati is kind of ignoring that. Well, you could flip it, you could flip it on your head and, and say that, you know, Jamar Chase's ability to get open versus like pass rush versus off like their offensive line is getting beat in X amount of seconds and if Jamar Chase can get open but is Jamar Chase necessarily like a separator like it's not like I I, I well, just think well, that's you're going down the rabbit hole where it's yeah, like if you are. protect your quarterback you're it's obviously things can happen where like Dak Prescott scrambles and his ankle twists the wrong way totally. like it's totally. it's the freaking NFL Jamar Chase could tear his ACL this year right yeah. like any Sewell could. Tears ACL in training camp this year for the Lions. Like, anything can happen. But if you're just playing the numbers game, hey, if we sign more offensive linemen and if we draft offensive linemen high, there's probably a less chance our quarterback gets hurt. 
And that's just that's it. Just almost, it just feels like they're trying to beat the game. Yeah, like they're trying to like get around the the, the like the the best, smartest, most traditional, logical way of doing things. They're like, nah, we're gonna skirt around that because we want to get more toys for. And it's like, well, because I, I don't, I don't think it's a clear answer, which is why we're having this conversation right now. AJ Green was a phenomenal receiver for however many years. The problem was always the offensive line. Like, this has been a thing in Cincinnati. I just think that I, mean, the, I don't think it's as big of a debate as people are making it out to be where it's like, oh, what helps Burrow more, Sewell or Chase? It's just like I think it's pretty fundamental where it's not one player, but you need to build the offensive line. You can't have a franchise quarterback. And then that kind of goes to my point where like with the Lions draft, obviously I'm not like super thrilled with it, but I've harped on this all draft season where I think I think the way you build an NFL team is through the trenches on both sides of the ball because the offensive line – Drafting a tackle makes the quarterbacks better. It makes the wide receivers better. It makes the running backs better. If you have a solid offensive line for the defensive line, it makes the linebackers' jobs easier because they're not getting beat on the second level. It makes the secondary's job better because there's less time to throw. Like, all those things tumble into each other. And I think just going with the receivers or the corners up high when you're a team that just isn't in the playoff conversation, I think is going back. You're building it backwards. So Yeah, and I know it's a I little think- bit of an outlier. But, like, look at Kansas City, man. Like, yeah. Kansas City could draft a number two receiver if they wanted, and they could have two really good receivers with Tyree. They watched what happened in the Super Bowl, and not even in the Super Bowl, The off- their offensive line kind of deteriorate this year, and they literally were like, no. They cut their linemen, they went out, they got Orlando Brown, they signed guards, and they they centralized their whole draft around the offensive line, basically. I just think that that should speak volumes, a, a franchise like that doing that with a franchise quarterback the Chiefs could have gotten aggressive and, and, and gotten uh, Rashad Bateman in the first round or gotten a Kadarius Tony or whoever. It, I just think that th- there's a certain way where if you have a franchise quarterback, you have to be sure that you're protecting him the right way because well, there's a multitude of things that can go wrong if you don't. Yeah, and I mean we can wrap this up, but I just want to. I, I don't. I'm not saying I have the answers, but it, this and I, you know, pretty much agreed with Adam. But I, I do think like you can flip it all on its head, like. Elite, elite separators, elite receivers, like, and versus like elite secondary, like you can flip what Adam just said, kind of on its head, and it still could remain true. Like elite secondary makes the quarterback hold on the ball longer, which makes your below average D line get to the, get sacks more. And yeah, just or, with the way the NFL rules are, man, that's just like I think that's, way more flimsy. Like, yeah, I think just, that's such uh, a more flimsy argument than, and I think NFL DBs would agree with Adam. I honestly do. I think. Richard Sherman has said it before that the most important thing for a secondary totally. is, a, is a defensive line. So, like, I just think that, sure, you could flip it on its head, and that's an interesting conversation to have. But I really do think that the majority of the evidence is on and And, I mean, and, and it's way easier to draft good offensive linemen and good defensive linemen in the sense than it is with the receivers and the corners, as is evident from the stuff that I've been sending about the second contracts. Like, the chances of these guys busting is so much less, too. So I, I just think I just think it goes it goes I don't know I would I think I think well, I'm can, I'm more right is all I'm gonna say yeah I get yeah I mean I was about to mention Seattle but they had Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill so never mind I th- you know and Frank, and Clark. Frank Clark yeah and Drew I'm, I'm saying I'm saying even I'm saying even pre pre Frank Clark because wasn't Frank, when was Frank Clark drafted they had Bruce Irvin then too and he was a stud yeah yep and Bruce Irvin. Yeah, I mean, and I think you, like, I, the I, Niners too. Like yeah. when I reference Sherman, like it's just the Niners don't I just really have a great really secondary. Need, 
No. Their defensive no, line is man-eaters. Same with the Washington. Like, their linebackers were trash last year. Yet their defense is mm-hmm. great. Yep. Their secondary wasn't even that yep. great, Washington. Secondary was not even that great. and They, they rose to the yeah. occasion because that D-line is amazing. Like, that D-line carried them to the playoffs. Like, that's crazy to think about, I think, at least. Not crazy, baby. Pop on that, pop on that NFC East preview. Well, it's just it's just, yeah, it's it's are, crazy just to say that, like, hey, this one position group lifted an entire team. Obviously, the NFC East was a tire fire, yeah. but yeah, yeah. I again, I don't. I I think I'm kind of playing devil's advocate. I don't really. It's hard. It's hard to disagree with that because there's a lot more evidence of you know elite defensive line play raising raising both you know everything at the second level, um, and we'll see. I mean. I think, you know, we'll see with Cincinnati this year. We'll see with the Steelers and Najee and, like, how, how much, you know, because, you, you know, it's kind of the same thing over there with their offensive line. So, um, I don't think so. I think that's ridiculous to say that the Steelers' offensive line and the Bengals are comparable. I just don't – I don't see it. It kind of is now. I mean, they have David DeCastro, who's an aging yet, you know, pro ball level guard for multiple years. They drafted Kendrick Green, who I like a lot, but we're relying on Zach Banner and that other dude who they drafted. Um, you know, Okafor. Yeah, Okafor. So I mean, yeah. we'll see. I think Zach. Well, Bain- they signed Hassan Hewer back too. Yeah, I want to say he was with them, and then he spent one year in Cincinnati last year. Joe Hag out there too. Lee's Lee's reason for the, the he liked Joe Hag a lot with Tampa. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a big Joe Hag guy. B.J. Finney, not Hassenhauer. They Hassenhauer was with the Steelers. B.J. Finney, they signed back from from uh, Cincinnati, and then yeah, they have Kevin Dotson. Well, and Dotson they was brought, a really good player for them last year as a rookie. It was like a fourth or fifth. Yeah, runner. well, that's what I'm saying. Is like Dotson is good. DeCastro's good. Those are your guards. You have J.C. Hassenhauer, who who was your backup center last year, and B.J. Finney, who's his backup, and you drafted Kendrick Green. So those are three options you have at center, and Kendrick Green is also a depth guard, and then you have Zach Benner in in. Chumqua Okafor, there's a problem at tackle there, but you have Joe Haig and Aviante Collins, and you drafted Dan Moore. So, like, sure, their offensive line isn't great. I wouldn't put it in the category of bottom five in the NFL. No, I, I just wouldn't. I just don't think that that's the case. And I think that the coaching in Pittsburgh, like, I don't think Pittsburgh would allow themselves to have a laughable offensive line. I just think it's outside of their culture, and I really think that a lot of the noise surrounding the hate on Pittsburgh's O-line is just like Twitter people and like PFF people being like, ha, 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 ha. Look how bad their O-line is. It's just well, like Cincinnati. To, it's to, just not, though. To be fair, though, like part of Ben Roethlisberger was getting the ball out with like 2.8 seconds, which is like a full second or two longer than the next guy in line, and their offensive line has gotten gotten worse, So especially at the tackle spot. So I think, you know, I think it's I think it's a valid point. Ben Roethlisberger was getting the ball out in 2.5 seconds. Yeah, 2.8. I think something. Like that. He was clearly was leading the pack in terms of all other starting quarterbacks in time in terms of, you know, time to throw the ball. Um. Yeah. I mean, we'll yeah, see. I don't know. Uh, any any last draft season thoughts, boys? It was it was a great draft season for the back judge. Proud of proud of the pods we put out. Not not really. I mean, go from here, man. It's like. Heading into division a, preview season. Yeah, total, I'm excited, man. Revisit those win totals, that Bears win yeah. total. Tommy, you got to calm down on the win totals because we got to revisit those, like, because we already did them so recently. We should revisit them, like, after preseason. Maybe before preseason, like July. Perhaps. Um, 
I want to shout out, um, I'm seeing these way too early 2022 mocks and no one's putting any respect on JT Daniels. I'm just going to leave it at that. No one is putting this guy in the first round. He's going to be a first round pick next year. I'll be wrong if I'm wrong, but seeing guys like Malik Willis from Liberty and Matt Coral from Ole Miss and, uh, you know, I, I don't even know who else. There's a few other guys where it's just kind of head scratching um, looking at it and being like, I don't understand where all this hype is coming from. Um, even Carson Strong from Nevada not getting as much hype as I thought he would be coming into this year. A lot of it is kind of people swinging for the fences and, and, and seeing, you know, saying guys are going to have Heisman type years. The first, uh, the first 2022 mock I read had Malik Willis going number one to the Detroit Lions. Yeah, that's just not going to happen. I just, I don't understand. I don't understand that. Yeah, I don't either. I, I just don't. Because Liberty went undefeated, and he was like good at Liberty. He's now going to be the number one pick in the draft. It's just like, I don't know. I mean, hey, I hey, you know what? Work, Ma- Malik Willis, uh, great game against Cuse. Crushed Cuse. Look at Clef. With all due respect, Clef. T- I mean, TD runs, a, he had like two two TD runs that were over 50 yards. So Look at with college football Clep, baby. College football With all, with all due respect, Clep, the, the, the carrier dome may as well be filled with orange juice at this point because everybody crushes Cuse. <laughs> Look at Lee. That was witty, man. Orange crush. You know, from time to time, I've got some good ones. Um, yeah, what a draft season. Tay Gowan, shout out Tay Gowan going to the Cardinals. Another guy from the Steelers. Oh, and, a little uh, a little announcement for the end of the pod, I guess. Uh, Carl Jones and I will be in Buffalo this summer, breaking down all things Bills. Really? For, for, yeah. Wow. A, a little training camp internship with Channel Four in Buffalo. So you, you and Carl both? Yeah. Is that a tandem deal? Is <laughs> no that a way! Deal? That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. Man. So we got to send you guys off before you go. We got to get a little Bills. <laughs> training camp pod going. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get it going. Hey, keep that eye out for Tommy Doyle, my guy. You're going yeah, to have to warm and up Spencer to him. Brown, and Spencer Brown, bro. They got the and Spencer Brown. And it was Spencer funny. Brown. It was funny because Carl was texting me during the during day two saying, apparently Buffalo had been talking to Ify a lot. And, and mm. he really thought that Buffalo was going to take him. I think even in the second round and then when they came around before the Lions in the third round, um, and so that would have been that would have been interesting too. But they got his dude, uh, Demar Hamlin, though. That was kind yeah. of his like low key late round shout out that he did the safety from Pitt. Yep, that should be interesting. Yeah. Um, does that wrap it up? I think that does yep. it. The Rangers have already uh, dropped the puck. Puck's yeah, already been dropped in, uh, in New York. Apparently, apparently, there's fights. Dad's texting, so we'll see. Q, Q stay scheming. Q stay scheming. Q stay scheming.